This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we rank our top five moments inside Memorial Gym. The magic inside that gym has been witnessed by Commodore Nation over the past decade or two, and we'll feature several of those memorable moments upcoming. There's so many great moments to reminisce on, and we hope Vandy fans enjoy the banter back and forth on this week's category. Plus, we'll discuss Isaiah West's commitment to Vandy on Wednesday and run through a couple other recruiting notes across all three sports, baseball, basketball, and football. We've got all that and much more coming right up here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Let's ride. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Board. Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report. The premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who bleed black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. Welcome back into the Door Report. I am Billy Derrick alongside Will Byram. This is episode 167. It is June 30th, 2022. We are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. They are family owned and operated for over two decades. Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors. Since 1995, Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service. Growing from a one-man shop to a team of 23 professionals who share the founder's passion for quality craftsmanship and customer satisfaction. If any of you are interested in contacting them, you can find their headquarters at 2505 Winford Avenue in Berry Hill, Tennessee, or you can call them at 615-356-0303 or look at them on their website, alacofinewoodfloors.com, Floors serving Middle Tennessee's hardwood flooring needs since 1995. All right, Will, we uh, we are back for another week. We, we finally started to get back a little bit more consistently now. I, I know, you know, we, we've had these, at least I, I'll take the blame for, for most of those, <laughs> those two-week-long breaks or a week-long break, but let's try to stay consistent here. I think we're doing that. I, I think we're doing that, and it's pretty impressive we're doing that in the dog days of summer, that we're trying. We're, we're finally starting to find a little bit of rhythm, but Will, We've got a nice, nice list here. Top five moments inside Memorial Gym. I know uh, it's a little bit of a last-minute decision, but I texted you this, and you said I've already got four in my mind right away. Yeah, that was the problem. Is I already had four in my mind right away, and then I sat down and started thinking through them, and I had a lot more than four in my head. This was very <laughs> difficult, and I almost think that outside of number one for me that you could pretty much interchange the other four that are in my top five in any order that you wanted to from two to five. But number one is my number one. I wavered for a second thinking maybe that there were some other, uh, some other moments that might creep up there and, and take over that number one spot on my list. But then I went back 
and I watch the old footage. I listen mm. to the Joe Fisher call. So that'll mm. that'll give you a time that'll frame a in difference. which that my number one is for. But I still got chills and it still brought that little it somebody started cutting onions in, in the room. So that was most certainly my number one and I'm very excited for this list, Billy. But it was much tougher to make than I expected. I think it was almost tougher than the uh, all time Commodore list that oh. we did last episode yeah i mean we thought that was tough this one this one is, is even tougher because there's so many to choose from i mean you look back and i you know we, we have our different opinions on these but you know at the same time there, there's a lot of older people that you know they might go back a little bit further than us back into the 60s maybe 70s that i mean i don't even know of, i think this so. one will have a lot more variation than our than our all-time commodores did i think that there were there was a little bit of variation in lists but i think if you expanded it out to top 10 that probably yeah. like seven, eight of the guys would have at least been the same in that top 10. But yes. basketball, I think it's it's really going to show the age of the fan and how long you've been attending games and watching games that were happening at Memorial Gym because, man, it's just tough when you, when you didn't watch them live. And then the yeah. limited ability to find highlights, Billy. It's crazy. Thank I God mean, uh, for ESPN, ESPN Plus, because you can find every single game, the full game and highlights on YouTube for every game from like 2016 and on. And then there's a little bit of like 08 to 2015 ish that you can find some games. And then before that it's a black hole. I mean, you yeah, might as well yeah. be trying to find <laughs> C C ah, CIA documents. Like it is impossible <laughs> to find game footage from like 2004 or it's like funny. 2007. It's brutal, man. It's funny. Most of the videos are on YouTube are just videos that mm -hmm. somebody put together, and they put Joe Fisher's voice in the background. Like that's the extent. <laughs> or they just put some the random like, default iMovie sound yeah. like music in the background, like bum 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 bum, or yeah. some rock music in the back <laughs> that really dates it. Because never in a million years would now you put rock music like this heavy rock music, <laughs> Nickelback type behind a clip or that's, highlights of a basketball that's how you game. Know, that that's really how you dates know. some of the clips that we were uh, watching. Yeah, that's how you know it's prior to 2010. Like that, that's <laughs> how you know. So we'll get to those top five moments inside Memorial Gym. We will also talk about a couple other things, a lot of recruiting going on in every sport, basketball, baseball, football. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of that. But more importantly, Isaiah West, the good pastor standout, four-star on ESPN, has committed to Vanderbilt. So we'll get to that, Will. But before we get to all that, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Door underscore report and instagram door dot report like us on facebook subscribe to our youtube channel our podcast is available on anchor itunes spotify and google podcast and while you're at it give our podcast five stars and review on itunes all right let's get to our breaking news no matter what style you're going for you can trust your flooring job to a Laco fine wood floors take a walk through the woods in your home every day get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, well, let's start here with Mr. Isaiah West, a uh, recent commitment to Vanderbilt. Uh, plays at Good Pasture. He's uh, he's staying home. And the funny thing is here, Will, every site has him listed at 6 foot 1, 170 pounds. But earlier today, he actually tweeted that he's 6'3", 190. And uh, he tweeted that earlier today. We retweeted it from from the door port. He's a combo guard. Uh, Vandy's seen a few good players at that position over the years. You know, guys like Saban Lee, Scotty Pippen Jr. Um, you know, Darius Garland was a point guard. But, uh, I mean, there's been 
in the past decade and over over the years, even 20 years, going back 20 years, Vanderbilt's seen a lot of really good shooting guards in general. So uh, Isaiah West joins that list. He, he announced his commitment on Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday afternoon, I think. Chose Vanderbilt over Virginia, Ohio State, Louisville, Cincinnati, Clemson, Ole Miss, TSU, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech. Uh, th- those teams were in his top ten. But, well, I, I mean, he's the number one ranked prospect in the state of Tennessee. I mean, that's that's all you need to know right there in the class of 2023. He's a three-star on 24-7. He'll likely be bumped up. I mean, you got to believe he will. You see this sometimes with ESPN and 24-7 where they're a, they're off one star. ESPN has him as a four-star. Um, you know, he, he is commonly referred to as a four-star. I'm sure he would <laughs> rather be referred to as a four-star as well, um, you know, in his Twitter. Uh, but he's a number 44 overall prospect in the ESPN 100. So ESPN is, is a lot higher on him than anyone else will. And, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll see what that, you know, what that means. Um, but this is a really, really solid pickup for Stackhouse. Yeah. Local talent guard position. And then this is the funny thing about rankings. So everybody gets obsessed with the three-star, four-star differentiation. And you listed out the difference between ESPN and 24 seven, but mm-hmm. the funniest part is he's ranked the number 148 player nationally on 24 seven sports. And he's a three star in there in both the 24 seven sports rankings yeah. and their composite rankings, the number 139 player nine spots above is a four star. So that's, that's the difference. That's how close he's on that yeah. edge. And then if you go in and look at his recruiting ranking history, this is one of the things that I always like to look at in football a lot more, but in basketball, it also is kind of crazy to see the, the trajectory and how small the differentiation is between a five star a four-star and a three-star in those top 150 nationally ranked players. Because at one point, he was the number 29 player in the entire country. And that was less than two years ago. That was a year and a half ago. And then as recently, if I can get it pulled back up here, as my laptop decides to freeze just a little bit, as recently (laughs) as April 11th, no, even more recently than that, on April 15th, 2022, so two months ago, three months ago, he was the number 58 player in the country. And for whatever reason, in the offseason, the basketball offseason, what in the hell has he possibly done between April 15th right now and then in July? Has he gone to a couple AAU camps? Has he got maybe played in a couple AAU tournaments and gotten bumped? I mean, this is the crazy part is this commitment, if it would happen three months ago, would have been heralded as a, a staple foundational piece for Jerry Sackhouse moving forward. And now, because in the last two and a half months, because maybe he played one bad tournament, now it's just a three-star. Mm-hmm. Now it's just a three-star on 24-7. And that's what's so stupid about yeah. where we get obsessed with the stars. Now, when you watch the tape, I think he's a four-star. Mm-hmm. Now, does every single time talent work out and he's coming into kind of a crowded position? I would say with Noah Shelby, uh, that would likely be the ball handler in that position for right. the foreseeable future. But, I mean it's a good piece and you can't just have one or two guards. And we found out and we've seen recently with Jerry Stackhouse that depth on this team has been a terrible problem. And in the NCAA in general, I think that's going to continue to be a problem because of the ease of transferring, which I'm a fan of, but this is just a default issue that's going to happen mm-hmm. is you can't keep talented players as that sixth, seventh, eighth man rotational player. If it's a guy that is talented, he's going to transfer out into a better opportunity where he gets more playing time as a starter and a focus player in that offense. It's very difficult now to keep a talented rotational player in college basketball. Vanderbilt's been the beneficiary of that at times, 
but you're going to see that more and more that you're just going to have guys transfer out after one, two years because they have that free transfer in quote, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, it will see if he's able to work into the rotation. It's hard for me to get excited about recruits too much anymore because I'm so excited about this current class that they have coming in. And I'm very excited. Colin Smith, Noah Shelby, Lee Dort, Malik Diaz. So it's, uh, I'm not looking too far forward, but good commit for Stackhouse in the, in the upcoming class. Yeah, and Will, he's got an interesting story. Of course, local kid had a good past year, and, and you know he, he actually led them to their first ever state title last year. He averaged about six point, 16 points, six rebounds. Um, but last December, he went down uh, with a season-ending knee injury. So this is, you know, of course, two years ago, and this cost him most of his junior year. So you know he he's kind of been hampered with injuries. So that could have been you know a factor in in the rankings pushback. He simply didn't play that you know, that second half of that junior year. And I didn't know how long he was out for his injury, but that was most of his junior year. Um, and so well, you know, that's what I'm getting at. That That's, I think I didn't really realize that because honestly I've been, I'm moving. So I've been insanely busy and haven't, haven't prepped near as much outside of this top five list, but that didn't happen on April 15th. And that's what drives it. I'm like, what triggered right, right. that? Not just a 10 spot drop, 20 spot drop, but he's dropped down from being the 58th player to 148. He's dropped 90 spots. So in this time frame, he already had the injury. What could he possibly be have done to significantly yeah. drop him from the edge of being possibly a five star to being a three star? I yeah, that's that's a hell of a question. I honest, I mean AAU the way they value that and the recruiters value it, it's it's crazy. I mean regular seasons for most guys don't even really matter. I mean I remember when Darius Garland played at BA, you know it looked like I mean I you know I I was the same year as him. I mean, it looked like he, he wasn't even trying half the time, you know, when he's playing the, those high school seasons. But he gets on the AAU floor, he turns it up a notch. So, and, you know, that's kind of – I think that's majority of sports, of course. But, I mean, this kid will – Paul Biancardi, uh, National Recruiting Coordinator at ESPN, he had this to say about him. Athletic guard who scores with his drive game and jumper, and he plays with IQ and vision. And so, you know, I think there there's a lot of potential here. You know, I'm not saying this guy's going to be – you know, I don't know that he's on the level of Noah Shelby, obviously not because of the rating. Um, but at the same time, this guy, two, three years down the road, he could be he could become a, a pretty big foundation piece and, and, and kind of working along Shelby and some of those other guards down the road. So uh, really solid pickup all the way around for Vanderbilt. And, you know, it'll be fun to kind of watch him this season at Good Pasture and see, you know, I think they're going for their third straight state title. So, um, you know, he's had some success there and staying home. Apparently Vanderbilt's been his dream school ever since he was, you know, 11, 12 years old. So anytime you hear that, well, that's, I mean, let's face it, that's kind of rare, uh, but he is from Nashville. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, that, that's, that's pretty cool for, for Vandy fans. So uh, Isaiah West has committed to Vanderbilt. We'll kind of keep track of, of his season at Good Pasture, but Will, I know you had some, uh, some, some football notes before we were talking. Andrew Page uh, decommitted. He was, I think, the lowest rated recruit in, in the class of, uh, of 2022, kind of a late edition of that class. He decommitted uh, local kid for Vanderbilt. Um, you know, but other than that, there's some baseball news. Andrew, I, I you know, this name, I'm going to butcher this name so bad, but I think it's Duke Kenich. Andrew Dudkinich um, will will actually go to Vanderbilt. <laughs> I mean, he, he's a guy that's that is likely expected to go in the first round. So those are a couple other notes. A lot of recruiting going on, Will. Uh, but uh, that, that's pretty much. It. I mean, dog days of summer. All you got is recruiting, and that, that's that's pretty much all, pretty much all you got to talk about. Um, as we inch days. closer to football, we will discuss recruiting a little bit more and more. I I feel like we have a lot of time to discuss guys that haven't even played their senior year of high school yet. That there's a lot of time to discuss these guys yeah. and discuss the class. So 
I, I don't want to get too hung up on things. It's early. Guys are going to decommit. Things are going to change. And they've had a lot of movement recently in that class and a lot of momentum. You've had some commits from some three stars. You've had some commits. You felt some momentum going, but you haven't seen the big dominoes fall yet. So when that happens, mm-hmm. and hopefully there will be big dominoes because that's not a guarantee, uh, then we will discuss the details of the recruiting a little more. But yeah. as of right now, it's just kind of small little notes of, of guys committing. I don't mean to delegitimize it or, or not focus on it, but I, I'm pretty hung up on this top five list. You, you've oh, got yeah. me pretty focused it's, on that. Yeah, laser focused on the top five. But we've got time to talk about Ethan Crisp, your Mount Juliet boy, Will. Don't worry. We've got plenty of time there. Uh, but, Will, let's get into it. The top five moments inside Memorial Gym. And, Will, bear with me. I'm going to do my best uh, to, to, of course, you know, show up the, the one through five for each of us. But for videos, I can't promise pulling up every video, but I'm going to do my best to try to screen share these videos. Haven't tried it before yet, but bear with us. Big uh, adventure everybody. here. We couldn't even get your microphone to work at the beginning, and now we're going to try video sharing. So this is hey. going to go amazingly well. Oh, it's going to go perfect. It's going to go very smooth. Um, but, Will, let, let's keep the same format. You, you want to go with your number five here first, uh, one through five, uh, but we're going to start with number five. Of course, top five moments inside Memorial Gym. Will, get, get us kicked off here. So number five is going to be and this has nothing to do, this is why I said I could rotate my two through five anywhere. This is only going to be number five, not because of the significance at the moment, but because I wasn't alive for it. So it's hard for me to really elaborate on what is going on. And also at that time, it wasn't on television. There's just the radio call. And that's going to be the Barry Goheen half-court shot wow. against Louisville, number 13 Louisville at the time in 1989. That is the main story that my dad talks about every single time. I remember him telling me that story when I was little uh, and I will never forget that story. And that was the first thing that I heard of kind of this aura around Memorial Gym and Memorial Magic and Louisville at that time, they had Purvis Ellison that year. Uh, so that was a huge win and, and Mr. Memorial Magic and Barry Goheen. So that, I hope that will give a little shout out to uh, the game or the eras of Vanderbilt basketball that we weren't necessarily alive. I don't say necessarily, we just weren't alive to witness and there's no way that we can have an appreciation for it because a lot of those games didn't air on TV. So here we are. Number five for me is going to be the Barry Goheen half court shot against number 13 Louisville in 1989. I mean, will you're right about Mr. Memorial magic. Like, uh, you know, I I don't, you know, of course we may not have proof of this, but we've talked to older (laughs) people on this. I mean, he's kind of that first, Pioneer. There might have been a guy before him, but I mean, for Barry Goheen, that's kind of what I've heard on him and that shot. So I missed that, Will. You, you, you beat me to the punch there. Um, but for my number five, Will, you're going to get a kick out of this. It's, it's a lot more recent, a lot more recent. Um, not, mm-hmm. not too recent, but I'm going to go back to 2011. And it is Jeffrey Taylor's dunk versus Georgia. And this isn't a game, but this is a single moment. This is a dunk. I wanted to try to get a dunk in here somehow. Vandy hasn't, you know, they're not, let's face it, they're not loaded with, with you know, explosive dunks in, in inside Memorial Gym. But I remember my dad. Jones, come on now. Uh, yeah, there, there's a few. There's a few. But, you know, there, there's more three-pointers and game-winning th- game threes there. But, well, funny story. Um, as I get this up, Jeffrey Taylor's dunk versus Georgia. It's hard. It's hard being the producer, Will. Um, but there it is. So Jeffrey Taylor's dunk versus. Oh, okay. Here we go. We're good. Jeffrey Taylor's dunk Nailed versus it. Georgia. Well, this starts here. 
because my dad used to be an usher inside Memorial Gym. You know, the green shirt guys that, you know, would, would you know, hopefully know where everybody sits and their tickets and everything. And um, he had a great view for this. And I remember it was a school night and he came back home and I, I remember watching it on TV. I was like, dad, what was it like inside Memorial Gym for that? He was like, that's the best dunk I've ever seen in that gym. And, and he had been, you know, ushering there for, I think it's like since 2007 or 08, you know, through like 2014. So he's seen a lot of really good games inside Memorial Gym. And I wanted to get a little surprise in here for number five. Of course, I think it's a really underrated moment. Um, you know, Dave Neal on the call, you know, he said there's a buzz in this gym after that. The dunk was number one on SportsCenter Top 10 the next morning. And, you know, I wanted to make sure I get a dunk in, in, in the top five. And, Will, I know you've seen it. It's, it's, it's kind of insane the way he – I mean, first off, the pass has to be perfect. The inbounds pass was perfect. I forget who threw the inbounds pass, but the inbounds pass was perfect on the baseline. And for him to reach up as high as he did and, and be able to dunk that was incredible. I'm not going to try to get that video up. As we get up higher in our list, we'll, we'll try to pull those videos up. But I was a little a little shocker there. Well, number five, Jeffrey Taylor's dunk. It's really – I'll admit it right now, that's the most recent. The most recent I'm going to go, you know, for, for, for Vanderbilt moments. So, so that's as recent as I'm going to go. And, and so number five for me, Jeffrey Taylor's dunk versus Georgia inside Memorial Gym. That is more recent than anything on my list. I will say there's nothing. So that will be the most recent on all of these lists, which in a way is a little bit sad. But uh, so my number four is going to be the only other one that we're not going to try to pull up any video for. And so my number four is going to be Vandy beating number one Florida in 2007. And then the little bonus of, which is the video I was trying to find, but I could only find it in GIF format. So I couldn't find it. Uh, for you to be able to pull up, mm. but is the interaction with Kevin Stallings and Joakim Noah that is still <laughs> one of, it's like that video has been scrubbed from the internet. I had the link saved to that video on YouTube, like mm -hmm. three different links, all of them, every single one of them have been taken down or restricted or something. So I don't know if Vanderbilt has specifically done that and they've, they've wanted to do that, but it's going to be taking down number one, Florida in 07, which started or didn't start, but started the modern lore around Vanderbilt and number one teams coming into Memorial and the tough place to play. And it's always been that, but that's what kind of signifies the run into 08 that they had, uh, which is where a lot of the, uh, the best memories I have of Vanderbilt basketball are associated with is that 08, 07 stretch. So we're going to go with that. Vanderbilt takes down number one Florida with uh, Joakim Noah in that 07 year. Very solid. I think the only video available for that will is like the Sports Center clip, and you mm -hmm. see Kevin Stallings. Um, you see a little bit of this, you know, his his altercation, I guess you could say, with Joe Kim Noah, kind of an iconic moment in Memorial Gym. I mean, that's one oh, yeah. of the moments you look back at. You say, I mean, Kevin Stallings almost fought Joe Kim Noah. Like <laughs> it's, it's pretty pretty legendary, and, and he's that kind of coach. I mean, he he was that kind of guy. So um, that's a great moment there. Will I'm going to go number four for me. And, you know, this won't shock a lot of people, but I'm going to date a few of the younger generation Vanderbilt fans. March 21st, 2005, Corey Smith's full court Hail Mary to beat Wichita State in the 2005 NIT. And, well, of course, I was not here at this game. Um, but, I mean, you go back and watch this video on YouTube. It's, it's pretty incredible to, to see not only how much time was left, I mean, there was 0.7 seconds. 0.7 seconds, Billy. Point I know seven. that for a reason. That was that. <laughs> I know 0.7 seconds for a reason. Hey, I think I know why. But, uh, <laughs> but Will, I mean, it, it's 
it's it's incredible. This video is just – I mean, this has to be up there for one of the best, not only Vanderbilt moments, but SEC, national college basketball. I mean, game winners. Because- I mean, it's it's incredible. It's 2005 NIT, um, and basically, again, I, I know what's going on here. I'm not going to go through the entire thing. I'll, I'll, I'll save a little bit for you. Um, but it's funny, Mario Moore, uh, the former Antioch High School star, he had 31 points in that game. He had nine three-pointers, so he went off in that game. But the hero of the game was Corey Smith. Jason Holwerda threw the inbounds pass all the way. I mean, I can't figure out which one, which which is better, the pass or the layup. I mean, I, I got to barely go the layup just because you got to catch it and finish, and you've got 0.7 seconds. But, Will, that pass <laughs> was unreal. I mean, that I think pass the, best, was... the best part of that play probably is Wichita State's defense with 0.7 seconds left. I think <laughs> yeah. that was probably the best part of the play. Now, it was an incredible pass, incredible finish. But I think the yeah. best part of that is how in the hell with 0.7 seconds left was he standing that open on the other end of the court and that's still I watched this that video in preparation I still looked at it and I still have no idea okay oh look at that oh, look at that wow oh. that's horrible okay all right here we go all right so this is the news channel 5 so I'm going to uh, I've got something ready later <laughs> there it oh, is oh, oh. what are the yep so they intentionally okay. missed okay, the free here throw go. here so they Wichita State intentionally missed the free throw oh, how is he that then, open <laughs> But so we'll go ahead and move to my number three. I'll I'll slide that one to number three so that you can click the link and share the other one that I have is going to be the Wichita State game. And I was actually at that game. And if you zoom in on the Tennessean newspaper headline and the front, I think it was the sports section, the front page picture, you can see me in the background in a blue jersey holding up my arms because I was sitting on, on one of the basket ends on that end where he shot the layup. I was in that section directly in that first section. So I was directly next to and had a great view of that. So I was at that NIT second round game. But if you pull up that one, uh, that's one of the links that I shared. Um, It actually has Vanderbilt. So not only were they number one, but also the Wichita State play that led up to number one, I think was number two. So Wichita State was down two points and intentionally missed the free throw, got the rebound and scored. Yes. And then number one was that ensuing out-of-bounds pass where, of course, Corey Smith hit that last-second layup and they moved on in the NIT. But they were number one and number two simultaneously. Well, number two, they were the victim. And number one, they were able to get it back. And I'll I'll always remember seeing that from that angle. And that was one of those things. That that was, what, 2009? you got to correct me, seven? It's getting – I think nine. Oh, nine. I think it was nine, yeah. Yeah, 2009. But even in that moment, I think I was in like fifth grade. And even in that, I was like, you're not going to see this like something like this ever again with this angle. And you know what, Billy, I have not. And I have not. And I've yet to see anything like that ever again in person and especially with Vanderbilt. So uh, number three, I I actually had that as number two. But uh, you kind of you kind of blew the load a little early there, Billy. You jumped the gun. So they missed this free throw and they actually managed to get that, which is classic Vanderbilt. I mean, you just don't get more classic Vanderbilt than that. No, you don't. You really and don't. Then the and then ensuing number one is this. There. Which is. still, I've the more I watch it, the more I have no idea. And I'm gonna have to give credit to the pass. You asked the question of what's better, the pass or the uh, or the finish. How, the finish was great, but that he, pass. How, how is he this I open? St- how how is he this wide open? Look at that. I still don't understand why they had two guys right next to the ball with 0.7 seconds left that close you can't 
there's no way you want them to catch it. I don't know why he was denying the ball to the point guard there directly in front of the inbounds passer. That was probably one of the lowest IQ sports moments for an entire team with Wichita State there. That is something that that coach just had to slam down his clipboard and just lay down face flat in that locker room. There's no way Wichita State's it's coach unbelievable. coached anything associated with that. They had, they thought no way, and still. I mean, it looks I like I vividly remember that. That's one of those core memories that I think will yeah. will certainly. And I think they said 2005, so it was a little bit yep. earlier. I think 2005. Than, yeah. Than I, yeah. Man, I, I, I don't know what the <laughs> after another 25 years, man. The years are already getting really, really tough for me to keep up with what happened in what year. So I imagine that's only going to get worse. So number yeah. three is the same as your number four once again. Stealing my thunder, Billy. There it is. Yeah. Well, and I, I was debating switching up my number four and my number three uh, because they're very similar in year. And I think you know what I'm talking about here. And we already said we, we would have very similar uh, numbers here, but it is the same year, 2005. And it is Mario Moore's 30 foot buzzer beater versus Oregon. And this is a non conference game versus Oregon in this regular season. This is the season before uh, Corey Smith's full court Hail Mary to beat Wichita state in the, in the NIT in 2005. Um, so that that's kind of where the years are and similar Mario Moore in 05 through 06, kind of seven, at least. I mean, he, he was kind of the poster child for, for one of them, at least for Van for Memorial magic at Vanderbilt, 3.3 seconds left. Vandy's down by two. Keep in mind only 3.3 seconds. So again, different than 0.7 seconds, but you've got 3.3 seconds to set up a play. Coach Stallings calls a timeout he set to set up a full-court game winner, and that's exactly what he does. Damari Carroll has the inbound, and Mario Moore, I mean, this shot he hit was was highly contested. I mean, and it, it, it feels like it was from deeper than just 30 feet out. Also. Do you have video for this like, one, Billy? Were you able to find yeah, video I'm, for this I'm gonna one? Do my, I'm going to do my best, but, Will, when, when you go back and, and watch this video, it's incredible. I mean, he, the, the contest, he had to shoot it higher than he normally would for a 30-foot shot because of the guy that was in his face. Here it is. Again, <laughs> number one. We got to figure out. Player. We got it. Yeah, this is pretty crazy how many number one moments that yeah. Vanderbilt has had in this list. Here it it's is, kinda, Mario Moore. I didn't realize that. I mean, you oh, look at that. Yeah. I mean, look at him. The guy's on, the guy's on him pretty well. But I mean, maybe a step off. It's how he shot he had, it. I mean, that's yeah, that's had, the thing. That is the type of shot that just hasn't gone in the last like ten years. I, for whatever no. reason, that shot just hasn't gone in. And for there the years has, before that, it did. Yeah, there has been more times than not that that shot is attempted, but it doesn't go in. Whether it's John Jenkins, you, you saw AJ Ogilvy versus Kentucky that one year have a floater in the lane that didn't go in, but for that shot to go in. I mean, and and it ends the game. They're wearing the gold uniforms at home. You got the old Vanderbilt logos. You got the stars on oh, the baseline. That's I mean, the that, same that's, Vanderbilt type logo that I've got right here. It's before the baseball adoption and rebranding of that same V. But yeah, I, I mean that I that's vintage Vanderbilt. Will that, that is vintage Vanderbilt inside Memorial Gym after the game. It's funny. Mario Moore said he had a dream the night before that he was going to win the game. And I saw that in the article. I thought that was crazy. Derek Byers, will you, we remember him. He had 20 points that night. But Shane Foster only had five points. He, he struggled that night. So, you know, Mario Moore kind of had to pick up a little bit of the slack here. I didn't get his final line. Um, but, man, Mario Moore, his name, as I'm kind of studying, researching for these top fives, his name came up a lot. Um, and so Mario Moore kind of in that 04 through 06 range, um, 
kind of dominated Memorial Magic moments. I mean, Shane Foster was in that time period too, but specific moments, you know, that he was a part of, he had that, that game winner. He also had 31 points in that game, um, you know, against Wichita State. So those two, Wichita State and, and then Oregon games, th- those those are up there for everybody. I mean, they have to be. So so that's my that's my number three, Will. Mario Moore's 30-foot buzzer beater uh, to beat Oregon. And another game I wasn't at, um, I, I don't I don't know if you were, uh, but I'm sure. I com- that one completely is, is slipped my mind, is not on my list in the same way with the Goheen shot with yours that wasn't on, wasn't on there. So that one is nowhere to be found. So I like, there's a lot more, va- going to be a little bit more variation. There aren't as many clear answers as I think the, the yeah. all-time Commodores. But so I guess we can move to my number two. And I do have the ability to share my screen, by the way. So I'm going oh, to attempt okay. to share my here, own here screen here. Yeah, this is not a not very easy visually. But can you hear the audio at least with it? I can. I can. I can hear the audio. So this is this is why it's my number one moment. Or not, and not number one, crowd. number two moment. Look at that crowd. Look at that crowd. Look at that environment. And if you can't hear the audio right now, uh, what the announcer is saying is something along the lines of this is one of the toughest tickets to get in Nashville in ever in Vanderbilt history. This place is about to explode. And then at the end. They make a similar comment to that, so I don't know how to stop sharing. But uh, I'm going to try. There we go. I think we should be good now. So I don't know how that went, but uh, I I guess we'll see after we after we go back and watch this episode. This this will be our test case here. So hopefully, not too many people have I tuned in. I do see that we currently have more viewers than Jared Stillman did uh, during his live (laughs) episode show that was tweeted from 1025 The Game. Somehow we we have managed to have more live viewers at a at the exact same time, we was 30 minutes into his show, I looked, he had three live viewers, and not to brag or anything, but right now we have four. So we are beating Jared Stillman. Not bad. So that's something, that's something and the to key, we're beating the key them will, The key will is when you go back, the, the post viewers are key. No, I understand those, that. This those, those is all about live, live viewers here. And, and oh, gotcha, he's, gotcha. Got the, uh, he's got a machine behind him in local Nashville radio there in ESPN 1 or 2 5 the game. <laughs> And we have still managed to beat him in current live viewers on Twitter. So, so Billy, I'm taking the wins where I can get him here because we're, like we're testing out this screen sharing. And uh, I think that'll be able to take us to a little yeah. bit better hey, on this broadcast. Gotta learn thing. But yeah, I do like the, the funhouse mirror effect that you get for a little bit for a second yeah. there every time you every time you share the screen. So this is uh, <laughs> something that we continue to learn how to use this restream platform but here we go ready for your here number we... two now billy okay well i'm just gonna say it i have the same exact number two as you and i um, bet we're gonna have the same number one too yep we are i mean it's pretty self-explanatory i mean when you go through this top five um you know i think one and two are fairly obvious for most people um and then you get and to by the way if you want to go ahead and get it pulled up and make sure it's actually the number one. If you want to share your screens from a tweet that we put out, it's that number one link yeah, in the Google. Doc, I've got it. I almost guarantee. So as you go into your number number two I've, and go ahead and get prepped for the uh, number one, yeah. that will definitely I've, I've be got, one that a lot I've of got Commodore that, fans remember. Yeah, I've got that ready to roll. But will I want to add on to what you said about this night and and it's inside Memorial Gym. Nearly eleven years ago, Vanderbilt Commodores welcomed number one ranked Tennessee to Memorial Gym. It was a freezing cold, snowy evening. In Nashville, Tennessee was coming off a huge win over Memphis at the FedEx Forum that Saturday night. Problem was for for Bruce Pearl's Vols, that was one of the most anticipated college baseball co- baseball college basketball games in the history of the sport. And and Bruce Pearl's Vols had to enter this rowdy dungeon that 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 was Memorial Gym uh, on a Tuesday night 
And this is big. This is Big Tuesday, as they used to say on ESPN. Everyone mm-hmm. in the country super is watching. Tuesday. Super, yeah, Super Tuesday. The, the way you know it's a big game. I, I think people saw at the beginning. Vince Gill did the intro on ESPN, and he's wearing a Vanderbilt jacket, a black Vanderbilt jacket before the game, and he's sitting in the Grand Ole Opry singing "One More Last Chance." Like, I mean, one of his classic traditional songs. And, and so, right off the bat, you know, getting into that video, it's like, okay. This is a feel of a game that I don't know could be replicated at Memorial Gym. You know, I don't know that. And it's going to be hard too because it's not, it wasn't either side. Sorry. That's this game always gets described like, and you're doing a great job of painting the picture, but this game always gets described as Vanderbilt came in and upset Tennessee in this market. They were number four. Vanderbilt was number 14 in the country at the time. This was not just anticipated because Tennessee was number one. Vanderbilt was also number 14 and with that win boosted into legitimate talks of them being a national a national contender yeah, and I don't yeah, think that's they, really happened since no I mean well they were no slouch of their own like you said top 15 team in the country Vanderbilt they had to have felt a little bit disrespected I mean obviously they had that they had the spotlight on them but you know I, I'm sure in the moment leading up to that you know, you had a lot of talk of, is Vanderbilt ready for the big time? But it's at home. Vanderbilt has the advantage. You know, you've got guys like Jermaine Beal, Shane Foster, Alex Gordon, a young A.J. Ogilvy, uh, Ross Neltner, Jamie Graham. Ross Neltner. That is a name right there that I have not thought of in a long time. Really good. I mean, solid player. He he was a big part of that team. Jamie Graham was a big part defensively on that team. Two-sport athlete. Yeah, yeah, and, and and, you know, he was arguably just as good defensively in basketball as he was an athletic football player. Um, you know, I mean, he was a he was a freak on defense. Keegan Bell is another guy, Will, that he was almost the hero of that. I mean, he was technically the hero of that game. You see the play late where he almost stepped out of bounds. He was about a centimeter away from stepping on the baseline to save Vanderbilt in that game. I think the announcer said something like the court is 94 and whatever feet, and he was like, and they're thankful right now for that extra six inches or whatever it is on the 94 and a half feet because, man, you could not have gotten closer to having a moment that would now be known as uh, classic Vanderbilt would yeah. would be the moment of stepping out of bounds, and that's what I keep saying. Something the, that's that's the theme what has happened, that, Billy? What has happened? That's the theme of this top five. Will like th- these moments aren't haven't happened in the past decade. I mean, moments like these. I'm not saying Memorial Magic's gone, but it, it has you know somewhat deteriorated. Obviously, the talent level has changed, but there was a feel in the gym. There was a difference. I mean, they had really good teams, yes. But, I mean, it, it was different. And so that, that that was part of it. And also, by the way, Will, Shane Foster had 32 points that game. Um, I mean, he, he was he was a, a, a big part of that. Vanderbilt won 72-69. And, Will, he actually joined the Doorport. I know you remember this. It was right around his, um, you know, Jersey retirement ceremony. And, you know, he said after the, about that night, uh, Memorial Magic played an incredible role as a sixth person on the floor for us. They're not only loud and yelling and screaming and cheering on us, but in pivotal moments, whether someone's trying to hit a free throw or another person's trying to communicate to a player on the other side of the court, it's those kinds of things. Having our student section go crazy and bring in props and stuff like that, it all feeds into the experience of the game and gives us energy. It gives us the ability to overcome adversity. And, and that it, you, know, you talked about it in, the ep- in, in prior episodes this past season, Will. 
the student section makes a difference. And the broadcasters talked about it this past season as well. When Vanderbilt didn't have students, that's on, on average about a six, seven point difference. I mean, it's not statistically proven, but everyone knows the student section on a home court advantage makes that much of a difference. And, you know, like we said, Will, Memorial used to be one of the best home court advantages in the country. I mean, that season, 2008, they were actually perfect at home for the whole season. Um, and I look back at their schedule. I wasn't at this game, but I mean, just watching the game on YouTube, it's it's incredible. I mean, it, that has to be up there for me. That's the best atmosphere for for me. That that's the best environment and, and kind of pregame atmosphere build up. There are also some really good moments, but we're going to be getting to the best moment and kind of overall moments here coming up. Um, but that's pretty much it. I mean, that video. I mean, that that first two minutes of that video. You look at that as a Vanderbilt fan, and you just kind of pinch yourself. Like, what has happened? Like, how, and that's against number one Tennessee. And you, you could probably count on your fingers and your toes how many orange shirts you see in that wideout. And that is the part that is, that. that is mind-boggling, is the fact that right now I don't think that Vanderbilt, if number one Tennessee came in, that place would be 60 70% orange. And – the difference is it has nothing to do with any part of the fan base. Nashville's changed, whatever, college sports aren't as localized, whatever. That's not the issue. The issue is that you can play yourself into irrelevance and people come to watch winning products. And it's as simple as that. Were, were the confines of Memorial Gym comfier in 2008? Were the, were the drinks and snacks better? I mean, there were more options on Nash, in Nashville, but this is what I always get to, which is you upgrade facilities to bring in recruits and have a better experience and expand your fan base and make it a hotter ticket when you're struggling, when you're at the point Vanderbilt is. But in the end, just win games and you're going to sell out and you're not going to have opponents take it. I guarantee you, I will bet any amount of money, if Vanderbilt rattles off four straight winning college football seasons, that place will be packed full, it will be a hot ticket, and you will only see other SEC fans in the opposing visiting section on the opposite side of the field looking into the sun. Guarantee it. Because you saw it in 2012 against Ole Miss. You saw what that place and that environment would be. That was 80% Vanderbilt fans. Hell, Vanderbilt fans are starving for something like that to bring them to Tennessee. I mean, in football, you saw it in 2017 against Kansas State. It's anything. And I keep pointing to football because, hell, you've had a lot more recent success in football, which is crazy to say. I mean, you had the little bit of a run this past year. But you had a, it felt a little bit like you were inching towards getting back to the place of Memorial Magic. But then you look at that video from 2008 against Tennessee and you say, no, no, we are not. No Vanderbilt. You were not anywhere close. Not, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't even approach 10, 20% of what that place used to be. It used to be shaking in there. And I think that was something that we took for granted. And right now it just feels like his foot's going to slide that extra six inches and step out of bounds. That Alex Gordon shot into or Mario Moore shot doesn't go in or the Shane Foster shot doesn't go in. And that's not something that's explained out by stats. So I'm always an analytical guy, Billy, but something feels different now. And it, and it felt different in baseball this last season. I think a lot of fans felt that way that it used to be that the Vandy boys were down four runs going into the seventh inning. And yeah, you didn't feel great, but you were like, you felt like you were putting pressure on the opponent. And I don't feel like any Vanderbilt sport outside of baseball, obviously in football and basketball has put pressure on the opponent. It always feels like even with a lead in Memorial gym at 
uh, Vanderbilt Stadium that they're just holding on to a lead, and it's inevitably a team is going to make a run and make a comeback. And when Vanderbilt gets down, they don't have that mentality of, well, we just have to climb our way back. It just I always feel like when Vanderbilt goes down, that's it. And, and that's just kind of how it's been. And you saw a little bit of a spark of that this most recent year uh, with basketball. And that's why I think me and you have hope going into the season. But it would be crazy to go back to that 2008 environment and be able to relive that. And that's the famous Dickie V crowd surfing, I believe. That's from that. Or that's from the Kentucky game. I think game, that, was, that sure. was Kentucky. Yeah, That was Kentucky, yeah, because yeah, that wasn't the wideout. That's uh, – uh, but, yeah, man – it's and, pretty and sad. Will, I, it, it, I don't want to say sad. It's it's disheartening to look back and see that wasn't that long yeah. ago. And the most recent, I think, atmosphere that came close to 2008 was 2011-2012 season against Kentucky. It, where that college was still game 10 day years was there. Ago. I didn't put that on the list. If they would have won that game, they're in my top five. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think they're in your top five as well. I think they're in everyone's top five. Uh, because it, but because they didn't win it, they're not. Um, but that atmosphere, whew, I mean – that, that place was jumping that night, too. I mean, I remember being there up in, I think, level three. I think it was 3F, and it was incredible. So, you know, and, and SEC, other SEC teams, I remember talking to Kentucky fans after that one, and they were like, what an atmosphere. I mean, th- that's a great environment for college basketball, and it still can be. You know, when, you know I don't want to paint the picture that it, it's it's dead. Um, and we've, we've mentioned there's a lot of work to do and you saw the taste of it against Dayton. I mean, we were both there, I think, Will, and, um, you know, I mean, yep. they, they were getting there. They, they were, you saw that taste. It was maybe too, they won, too late. They won a few games. Yep. That That's it. That's, that's it doesn't happened. take a lot. You don't have to win a national championship. You have it's to be not, a winning, entertaining product. And it's, that's it. it wasn't, it wasn't about the new, the, the new amenities in the arena. It wasn't about the new concessions. It wasn't about the new floor. It's about winning games. Um, and we talked about that ad nauseum, but yeah, well, I mean, we're in agreement number two, uh, and then I'm going to go ahead and put it up here. Number one, you know Shane Foster. We, we can just list um, both iconic. of them as number one. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I didn't Billy's even put, number one. I didn't yep. even put either name <laughs> Shane Foster's iconic performance. I'm going to go ahead and share this. Yep, please. Um, I'm going to play like the last two minutes of this. Um, and hopefully it shows most of his hey, nine threes. No, no, no. Don't he, play this one. Play the one, play the one that, uh, I, well, do you hear the audio on it? Because I want to share the Joe Fisher audio so okay. badly. I'll, I'll go to that one. That number uh, one there. Yeah. I'm going that's, to, that's our yeah, we, we tweeted, we tweeted this. Yeah. So this is the, um, this is the Joe Fisher call in the background of it. So that's what I could, yeah. I was going to hold up my phone and play it if we can't hear it. Okay. Let me know if you can hear this. No. Okay. Well, I'll take, I'll take the audio out for now. Um, yep. but I mean, just let's look play at the these. audio. We can play the audio at a later time, but yeah, he hit nine straight through or not. I don't know if it's nine straight, nine threes in the second half and overtime. Yeah. It's incredible. Some of these shots that how just, tough these shots were. I mean, there's one at the end where it was 35 feet out, but even these, I mean, those are not short threes. Those are a step or two off the line. Then he had an alley dunk there, uh, which was all showing his athleticism. But the crowd too, Will. I mean, look, look mm-hmm. at everybody standing up behind the basket. I mean, that that's what. Yeah, that's I like what playing it used the video. Like. I def I definitely want to play this Joe Fisher call. Oh, I no mean, doubt. Yeah, we'll we'll get it, it out it, there. It almost brings a tear to your eye listening to that and just thinking. <laughs> How good I mean, that one, that shot. That right. one is the one. That was the go-ahead shot for the win. And then thank God that half-court shot there here from Texas A&M, or Mississippi State didn't I mean, go look in. at Texas this. Texas A&M was not in the SEC at that point. 
that's incredible. I mean, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to talk too much because most of our listeners do still come from audio only. So I don't yeah. want to be like too much. Like, watch that. Most of it is not the live stream, but the, yeah. uh, let me find the audio on this. Yeah, see if you can share the audio. The audio worked better uh, when you shared it, Will. But did you? I mean, did you? Were you able to hear it when I was sharing mine? I was. I was able to hear that. Okay. So, so let's just well. let's just let it play when you share it. And be okay. quiet and let, let everybody else hear it because Joe Fisher's call right. if, is, if is pretty you're special. Able, make sure you're able to hear it. Give me a thumbs up or something because remember I can't or text me or something because I can't go to the screen. I will I will make sure everybody everybody can go. hear it. Good again. Sixty eight, gotta go fast. Shane from thirty feet, Shane hit it. Time out. Twenty seconds to go. Eighteen seconds. Foster off the screen, gets another one. Up from three point range. Good! Oh my Tied at 74, 10 seconds to go. Rhodes guarding him, so they run the back door. Elliot slams Dane Foster. He's got 36, 84, 80. 32 seconds to go. Shane Foster, long three, nailed it. Timeout. Oh, my goodness. Shane Foster with 39. And that was another 30-footer. Seven, six, five. Up top, Foster, four. Shane for three. Go! There it is. There it is. Uh, unbelievable. Shane Foster, just uh, iconic. I mean, that's the one word I have. There's not much more you can say. Um, there's a reason number 32 is now hanging in the rafters. Uh, what a special night. Um, senior night, nine straight threes to beat Mississippi State in overtime, 86-85. And after the game, Rick Stansbury, uh, Mississippi State's head coach at the time, had a pretty funny quote he said at the end of the game. Not a whole lot to say except this. It's simple. Foster beat us. I can't say anything else about it. Wasn't anything they did. He just jumped up most of the time in stressful situations and made shots. Absolutely nothing else I would do different. Absolutely nothing else we could have done. He just simply jumped up and made 30 footers with someone in his face. I mean, that's if there wasn't video of that, it sounds like a story that someone makes up about their high school senior night. That's way over exaggerated. Yeah. It's no, there were three people guarding me on my senior night and I hit nine straight threes to win the game, buzzer beater to send it. No, like all this stuff. And you'd be like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I think probably the thing I always think about is this was 2008. So social media was non-existent. Clips were non-existent. I think about how viral that individual two minute stretch, that little highlight stretch that we had in HD quality and seeing those shots Mm -hmm. that would have blown up across oh, yeah. all social media, Vanderbilt basketball would have gained five thousand followers across their Insta- between their Instagram and Twitter, and that is what they haven't had in anything but baseball right now. And this is a little bit off topic here. We're getting off, but I've been thinking about this all day. And that Vanderbilt baseball has been able to capitalize on. They brought in great marketing and great video people, but they've actually had stuff happen. That's the problem. Is mm-hmm. they're putting out good content for basketball and football, but they're look at the top five moments that we just ran through. You had the most recent one, and it was eleven years ago, and nothing other than that was in past two thousand nine. So yeah. nothing even in the twenty tens. Certainly nothing in the twenty twenties. And so there's just I don't know how to say it over and over without just saying you just have to win. And we we discuss all this stuff and do all this stuff, but man, that's a lot of 
great memories while simultaneously kind of kind of bringing me down a little bit thinking about how how young I was in all of those when all of those things happened and really looking at man that was 14 years ago was the was most of the the last real outside of 2012 which was 10 years ago when they won the SEC championship which of course didn't happen inside of Memorial Gym these are the moments within mm-hmm. Memorial Gym really since then it's been a decade since Vanderbilt basketball has had any relevance whatsoever or competitiveness for the most part. I mean, really at that level that they were at so consistently for a decent, decent amount of time. Cause there was a good, there was a good little stretch there. We had a wide range of years from 1989 to 2011, but that's a wide range that stopped quite a, quite a few years ago, Billy. So I don't know. Do you think these are the guys to bring it back as we transition to uh, the conclusion of episode 167? Yeah. I mean, well, we've talked about it. I, I do think Clark Lee is, is is at Vanderbilt to stay I mean he in at least in football um I mean now we we've seen four or five years down the road he's we're probably not going to see the the fruits you know of his labor until then uh but basketball Jerry Stackhouse you saw a taste of it at the end of last season you really did and baseball we don't I mean yes we had a problem with this past season but let's face it they're not they're not going anywhere I mean you know yes it was a down year but Let's face it's it, also it, a it, different it, different level of judgment and expectation. I mean, they pushed the they pushed Oregon State to Game Seven of their regional, and we're like, it was a disaster. The yeah. season was a disaster, and you're just sitting there reevaluating things, and that would just be like the peak possible thing to reach in basketball right now. Like we would be sitting here talking about how spectacular of a season it would be if they got knocked out yeah. in the round of 32 in the NCAA tournament. So you just, it, it's hard giving grades with the Vanderbilt programs yeah. because they're just at such different starting yeah. points. I mean, they're baseball, starting miles they, and miles and miles back. Yeah. They still finished top 25. I mean, they, they were a top 20, finished a top 25 team and took Oregon state, a top eight overall seed to the brink and almost end up playing Auburn in a super in Auburn, Alabama. So you know, it's obviously different times, Will, but going back to those moments, I think of being in middle school like that. I mean, that like middle school, like seventh, eighth grade, you know, back in 2008 through, you know, around 09, 10, 11, 12, 13, those years. I mean, hearing the names of Jermaine Beal, Shane Foster, Alex Gordon, Ross Neltner, I mean, A.J. Ogilvy, like hearing the names of those guys, that's what brings back memories. And then you start seeing the clips and kind of the quality of the videos, and it's like, I mean, that was that was a while ago like that. You know, I mean, we're getting old, but that's a while ago. I mean, Vanderbilt, yeah, this is I, I think we're going to look back and the further and further we get away from it. I think I'm becoming more resolute in this opinion. But like 2007 to 2014 is going to be in 40 years, assuming that NCAA athletics appear anything the way they do now with the conference realignment that's going on with UCLA and USC moving to the Big Ten. Who knows? Crazy. But 2007, 2008, really 2007 was the beginning with beating number one uh, Tennessee and then, or I guess that was number one Florida in 2007 at Memorial. 08, you have the bowl game, Bobby Johnson finally getting to the Music City Bowl, first one since 1982. And then you go along a stretch of not just one sport, but every sport kind of being at the peak that they have been at for 50, 60 years. And it was all happening in the same six-year span. You had Vanderbilt football was, without a doubt, the best stretch they've ever had was 08 to 2014 in modern college football. And then you had the first national championship in baseball in 2014 that you had the Dansby Swanson. You had all those all those faces that really revolutionized that brand. And then on top of that, you had basketball win the SEC championship in 2012. And you had the best 
stretch of players and consistent performance making it to NCAA tournaments with Kevin Stallings that you've that you've ever seen, really, ever. And it's not like they won a ton of national championships across all these sports, but the bar is just a little bit different. And I think the further we move away from those years, it seems when we're making these top five lists, there are a hell of a lot of top fives between that 06, 07 oh, yeah. year and about that 2014 year. There are a lot of these people that we're putting in. And that's not just because those are our uh, growing up years and formative years growing up and becoming a Vanderbilt fan. It really is because that was the best era that Vanderbilt athletics has ever seen, unless you went back to the 50s. Yeah, if we would have been able to meet each other in like 2007 and start the podcast in about 2008, <laughs> we would have blown up in two, three years. I mean, that that's simply what Vanderbilt Athletics brought to the table at that point in time. I mean, basketball, football as well. You mentioned the Music City Bowl. And then through about 2014, 2015, you know, say we retire from the Doorport, that would have been one hell of a stretch. I mean, it, it really know the funniest was. part of all of this is everybody is, you know, I want wins and wins will continue to grow. But you know what? Our most listened to episode still is, Billy. After all this time, after we've had Clarkley, Jerry Stackhouse and Tim Corbin on this podcast before. And our most listened to podcast is still the one we did reacting with Chris Lee after that ETSU loss. Yep. So there, there, that was definitely when we grew the most was in the biggest moment of turmoil that I think that we've experienced <laughs> while doing this podcast. I don't know. We were, we've been here for some tumultuous moments in Vanderbilt athletics. I mean, we went through the Sarah Fuller uh, situation that they had against Missouri where they couldn't even get in the range of her to be able to attempt a point, even attempt a uh, kick, which was so, which was all, I just, mean, just the stop. most just to stop, somehow man. find embarrassment where it's already like the the basement is not truly the basement. And then we went through literally canceling a game because they couldn't field enough players. I mean, that is crazy. I know it was COVID, but we went through that. And then the next football season, as if we needed more, they lost for the first time in the history of the program to an FCS opponent. So that was the stretch that we went through, Billy, right? <laughs> when we really started kicking this thing into gear is we uh, we have powered through and continued, <laughs> and no one will ever question our loyalty to the black and gold here. Because, dude, when you start oh, listing man. off the moments that we've experienced while doing this podcast, it is <laughs> it is a hell of a list, man. And it is not a list that has a lot of fun moments on it. <laughs> no, it's not. But I think that <laughs> it has a lot of fun moments of recording. It doesn't have a lot of successful athletics moments. We have not no. seen a lot of wins in the no. two two and a half year stretch. We haven't seen a lot of wins on the field, Will, but we never lose a podcast. We have never lost win, a podcast. Win the day. Yeah. <laughs> win the podcast. But, Will, I think we just won that one. Right at an hour, uh, top five Memorial Gym moments. Um, I mean, almost brought a tear to our eyes a few moments there. Um, but that does it. Got that dusty. does it, Will. Got a little dusty. But uh, we'll be back next week. Maybe we'll go to another sport. We'll probably go to baseball. Uh, I think a few moments. We might have to go top ten. Uh, for baseball <laughs> I don't want to do baseball it's too there, there's too many too oh, many on. moments because <laughs> you know the national championships are going to be one 2014 natty that like football I think we will have very different moments and I think that yes. they I think we should do football and I know you probably wanted to save it but we can probably talk about this but I think we should uh, put out a question of what we should do uh, for our next top five on Twitter and see what see what responses Let's we get there it. because I think this one will have a lot that people will be mad that we missed moments yeah. not in our yeah. top five so we'll see what reaction we get and if we 
uh, sounded too ignorant naming off that top five, which I don't think we will because I've watched every Vanderbilt basketball game that has happened since like 2004. So it'd be very difficult for me to miss too many moments. But I think, if there's I think, something before that, I'm sure there's something we missed from the '80s because yeah, there I were just too many moments. We're definitely gonna miss. We're, we're definitely gonna miss a few that the 40, 50 year old, you know, man that that uh, you know lives lives over Westmead, Bellmead, close to Nashville area that uh, they they don't you know they they weren't too happy with, with a couple of these. But I think we did a pretty good they're job. Going well, I mean, they're going to appreciate that I put in the Goheen. That's the fact, going to buy the fact, us a lot of slack. That's going to help us out. The fact that you put in Barry Goheen, I mean, we didn't have much to say about it. We were not there. We were not alive. Uh, but I think we're going to get some respect factor for that. Uh, well, I, you, well, I, you. That was actually my number two. But I bumped it down to get it out there early to cut us some slack on it. And also because I wanted to do our ones that didn't have any video or audio associated with them and get that mess going later into the list. Yeah. But yeah. that is that is one of the moments that is always when you ask anyone that is over – you, you said the age group very well, like 40, 45 plus. That is the first moment they will say is the Barry Goheen shot at half court against Louisville. And yeah. so that's why I wanted to have it at number two, but there's just not a lot that I can say about it because it wasn't televised. You can't go back and watch it. You can hear the radio call, yeah. but there's no way to experience that moment over again. So I think yeah. that was probably more deserving than just being number five. But that's why I said you could just reorder yeah. them wherever you wanted in that two through five. The only one that is definitively there is number one, Shane Foster senior night. There's, there's no other option. There's no other option there. I think two, you could go another option, but for us to, I mean, 2008 Tennessee Vandy, that that's, that's definitely up there at number two for both of us. But, um, but will that does, and we it do here. not share these lists beforehand, by the way. So no, us having no. the same number one and number two is completely coincidental. There's, there's yeah. no communication. We do that on purpose and somehow we still manage to yeah. have the same number one and yeah. number two. So that's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Tells you the grip we have on Commodore Nation. Well, uh, you got got a got all uh, all ages. I mean, I think you know. I mean, maybe there's a 12 year old Vanderbilt fan out there that you know loved going to the Dayton game uh, this past. That thinks we, that's up we there. are still. This is we've got to expand our female audience, Billy. We yeah. are still. We have moved from. We were 99 percent male audience, and our most recent podcasts have been 100 percent male audience, according to Spotify. So we lost our one percent grip on the Vanderbilt Damn. female market. So I don't know what we did, Billy, but what we're just not we're not we're not bringing in anyone. So we, our our age gap is that age group that you listed off with the Barry Gohan. So I know we are going to get some feedback of yeah. some moments that we missed from the eighties and nineties. But I, I already know. Bring there's... it on. I love I love to hear the uh, stories and the things that we missed. So please put them out there. And if you have any video or any audio. I was searching far and wide on YouTube the past couple of days, and I came up short on a lot of moments that people were responding to your tweet about us going live and doing yeah. this top five. And it, I couldn't yeah. find anything on a lot of them. Yeah, things. it was tough for, for a lot of them. It was really tough. But uh, I, I know there's a few former women's bowlers out there that there's some good women's bowling moments, Will. And so maybe if we start talking about some of the women's bowling moments, our, our audience might go up on the female side. I, I'm going to try <laughs> to do some research there. And uh, and maybe, maybe we get a, a former women's bowler on. I mean, they're right up there with baseball, Will. They, they really are. We, we don't, hey, we don't, we don't give that them was enough the, respect. That was, I'm just so glad that Vanderbilt, no offense to women's bowling. I, I, that, that is a skill and you would beat me very badly in bowling. I'm not belittling it, but there was a stretch for a while that I was really afraid that Vanderbilt was going to have that star walk. And the only visible things in the background were going to be women's bowling national championship flags and banners. And that was going to be really, really disheartening. So I'm, I'm very, very glad that in 2014, 
Tim Corbin and Vanderbilt were able to win that national championship because there's just, even though college baseball is not as big as college basketball or even close to college football, it's a little bit of a respectability factor. So I always think yes. about that as well. So not belittling you women's bowling. Congratulations. You were one of the two team sports that has a national championship at Vanderbilt, unless I'm mistaken. So shout out to women's bowling, but uh, thank God for Tim Corbin and Vanderbilt baseball as well. There it is. There it is. Uh, Praise God for that. But, uh, Will, at the same time, we'll we'll put out the question, and we'll see if if the fans would rather see football top five or baseball top five for next week. We'll have to see about that. But that'll do it for Episode 167 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors.